1: Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside J.J. Cooper. Hello! Coming to you after uh, the Martin Luther King Day holiday break. And some big things happened this weekend. Uh, Before we uh, dive in though, I want to remind you all the Baseball America Prospect Handbook is on sale now. BaseballAmerica.com store. Get all the in-depth scouting reports 30 teams 30 prospects per team I should say 30 plus times another per one 900 plus. 900 plus if you order from us directly you get an extra supplement with an additional prospect for each team 930 reports and uh, jj a lot of these guys that are in the prospect handbook are now part of new organizations Not a lot we're actually Not the good, good lot, news but, is sorry.
0: the slow portion the slowness of the offseason means that even as of this moment even after the two significant trades this week we had Garrett Cole going to the Astros, and we had Andrew McCutcheon going to the Giants. I still think we are only right now at three significant trades post-handbook, because we have those two, and then we have Longoria going to the Giants.
1: We also, uh, obviously not as significant, Daniel De Los Santos for Freddie Galvis happened the day after right. the handbook, so, so that's yeah. another, another handbook so guy who four, shifted yeah. organizations. But, yeah, Pirates fans in particular might want to pick it up so you can get uh, updates on Colin Moran, Brian Reynolds, Uh, Kyle Crick Jason Martin yep so now I have to ask JJ the Pirates 2013-2015 three playoff years in a Mm -hmm. row 2016 they are respectable last year 2017 things fell off the wagon a little bit I think one of the biggest questions coming into the offseason was what were the Pirates going to do? Were they going to go forward again in 2018 and you could say, hey, we have Garrett Cole, we have, you know, potentially now Marte, Polanco, McCutcheon, all the same outfield now that there's no suspensions or health issues, Marte or Polanco. Instead, the Pirates have said, you know what, we're going to... Uh, the quote that uh, was, uh, came from Neil Huntington was, not rebuild but retool. We see that a little bit. They acquired a lot of guys closer to the major leagues. but But just overall... What was your sense first and foremost on the return for Garrett Cole?
0: Um, the thing that jumped out to me is, is, is I, you know, it's a, it was a holiday weekend, but you know, and but still reach out to scouts. And the general answer I got from scouts, not unanimous, but generally, was the surprise of how light the return was for Garrett Cole. Now, we can go into a pretty. We could we could spend this entire podcast debating Garrett Cole and how good is he really I had one scout say to me it's like if the Astros his, his response was is if the Astros think Garrett Cole's an ace they're going to be sadly mistaken and, and to which my response was they don't need him to be an ace they don't need him to be a number 2 they he's their number 4 potentially 3 or 4 and if he's their 3 or 4 that is that is a really good acquisition The thing that jumps out to me is, with two years of control left, for the return they got, because as we often get with one of these things, okay, we found out post, the reports are, obviously Whitley was off the board from the Astros, obviously Tucker was off the board with the Astros, Jordan Alvarez was not available in this trade, And then we get that the Yankees were willing to move not one of their top guys, but maybe a Clint Frazier-led, but with a smaller package. And so the Pirates basically essentially said, this is the best offer we had. Now, the question I have with that is is that unless you, if you're the Pirates, unless you feel like that Garrett Cole is going to get worse, if you feel like that you have seen Pete Garrett Cole, then maybe trading him now gets you the best package you can get. But I do struggle to believe that if Garrett Cole went out and had a good first half, which I think is well within his ability to do, that you could not get a comparable or potentially even better package at the trade deadline. I don't see the impetus, and I kind of wanted to see what you think. I don't see the impetus of why, unless you felt like this was a a trade that makes the team better over the long term, What's the the reason to make this trade right now?
1: So I think for me, you know, you talk about mm-hmm. it from the Pirates' standpoint. They have to believe they've seen the best of Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, he won't get better. For me, it's more about... They, The only way this trade makes sense for me, and not saying the Pirates are wrong here, I can see this outcome happening, but the Pirates have to believe that Joe Musgrove is a starter. Last year, he ran up a 6.12 ERA as a starter, 1.44 after they moved him to relief, but he was a starter his whole career. He showed some promise starting the previous year. So you have to believe, A, if you're the Pirates, that Joe Musgrove is a starter. B, you have to believe Colin Moran is... Is your heir apparent to David free Assuming Cobrian Hayes is still a couple years away, yeah. he's an A ball. You have to believe be that. A double you, a this year. You you have to believe that you got a a rotation piece back and a starting position player back. If they believe that Joe Musgrove is a starting player, for, is a member of their starting rotation for years to come, and they believe Colin Moran will play every day for them at least the next year or two. That's what you have to believe to make this package work, and they could believe that, and they could end up being right. I'm not willing to yet throw the pirates completely under the bus, but there's no question that when you look at on the surface of as much as you can believe that about Joe Musgrove, he still finished. He was he better was, as a reliever than a starter. Better star. as a reliever, you still got Michael Feliz, who. But he's my, a good reliever, but he's but, Well, but, but not only that, but you say he's a good reliever. He misses bats. He also had an ERA above five. Right. The control essentially, at the end of the day, he really wasn't that good right. of a reliever. You have to believe, A, that Joe Musgrove's a starter, B, that Colin Moran is an everyday third baseman, C, that you can fix Michael Feliz. You have to believe all that. And if you do, okay, it makes sense, but I also think it's reasonable to have a healthy skepticism about all three of those potential outcomes.
0: And the other thing with me on that is, is okay, let's go, go into Colin Moran. He's at BaseballAmerica.com. I am a believer that the Colin Moran improvement that we saw in 2017 has a pretty good likelihood of sticking. Why do I say that? He literally, I mean, it's a different swing. Colin Moran's problem before that was not that he didn't make contact. He never struck out a ton. His problem consisted almost entirely of you have this big, strong dude who's very slow, who hit the ball on the ground a lot, and so... You Really, the value of a singles-hitting, mediocre base, defensive base. third baseman who plays first, who doesn't run, not a lot of value there. He hits the ball in the air. All of a sudden, you see power that he's never shown as a pro before. I think there's a legitimate belief that there's a reason to think that that's going to stay. Now, but you just touched on the other part of it, which is, is, okay, and this is where it's tough for the Pirates. Like, we actually you know, I think it tweeted out when there was talk of the Cole trade to the Astros. And it's like, these two teams aren't a great fit. Because ideally, to me, what the Pirates need, it didn't fit with what the Astros had. Colin Moran, obviously, third base is a bigger need than outfield for them,
1: even post-McCutcheon trade. Well, you have David there signed through this year, but after that, he's gone. There is a a, little hole there between the time he leaves and Cabrian Hayes theoretically comes up.
0: But the problem you still have is is... Colin Moran is never going to be as good a third baseman defensively as Cabrian Hayes. I don't think there's... It's hard to find a scout who would disagree with that assessment. So in the long run, if Cabrian Hayes develops as the Pirates need him to develop, let's say he's a year and a half to two years away. Well, a year and a half to two years from now, Colin Moran is very possibly, even if he's playing pretty well, You could be looking at it and saying, well, but we have this better defensive third baseman to improve our defense to move in there. And at that point, then the other option for Colin Moran is not really the outfield. It's first base, where you have
1: Josh Bell, who theoretically can play the outfield, but not particularly well either. I think with the Pirates, you you just look at where they were last year offensively. They had the third lowest scoring offense in baseball last year, behind only the Padres and Giants. They had a lower slugging percentage than the Padres. The only team with a worse slugging percentage than them last year was the Giants. The Pirates slugged 386 last year. They need power. That's what they need first and foremost. I think you can look at, you know, some of the young pitchers they have. You know, you see Jamison Tyone, you see Chad Cool. Trevor Williams had a nice debut year. You see some pieces there, Stephen Brault's coming. Oh, they, 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 they have, have a, arms. They have
0: a rotation, and especially with
1: Mitch Keller coming
0: too. They have the pieces to have a legit five-man rotation. So that's where, for down. me,
1: if you're going to trade both Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon, and we'll, we, we'll get into McCutcheon in a second, knowing that you are starved for impact bats, mm-hmm. and the only real potential impact bat that can help you any time in the next two years you've got is Colin Moran. That, for me, is where there's oh, no, a no, little no, bit of a I was shortcoming. Yeah, I was going to oh. say... But Brian Rhodes is a good outfielder. We'll get to him in a second. No, no, no. That's the – I'm sorry. We talk about the quasi-acquired. Because obviously the other
0: part of this is, is that they need Austin Meadows to be – like now that they've traded McCutcheon, right. they need Austin Meadows to – who a year ago one would have thought would be ready at this point to step in. He had another year racked by injuries where, again, if they don't make other moves, I still think there's the path there for Austin Meadows to be – in their lineup basically opening the year soon thereafter because, again, they but they do still have outfield options, but they need Meadows to be an impact guy going forward, which didn't have a great year last year.
1: And I think they need a lot of impact guys. You know, Cole, circling back real quick, you made the comment about, you know, there's a lot of debate, how good is he? And just to, you know, objectively take Mm -hmm. out some of the scouting aspect of it. So he was on the disabled list three separate times in 2016. 2017 came back. Now, to his credit, pitched 203 innings, made all 33 mm-hmm. starts. He was a league average starter. ERA plus a 101. You know, a lot of home runs. A lot of home runs. 12 and 12, 4.26. And, I mean, again, by any measure, he was essentially a league average starter. Which has a lot of value. And that's a <laughs> – and, and I would call that, to me, the thing about
0: that is, is that that is – I'm not saying that's a worst-case scenario. There's definitely worst-case
1: scenarios for Garrett Cole.
0: But that's also in no way – the best case scenario for Garrett Cole. Right. We all which...
1: know he's capable of more, and then this is where it gets interesting to me. You look at his comps, similar pitchers through age twenty six, even coming off mm-hmm. that bad year. Number one is Jack McDowell, mm-hmm. who won a Cy Young at age twenty seven. Number two is Johnny Cueto, who has was still an exceptional pitcher mm-hmm. from ages twenty seven to thirty one. So I think you could reasonably say Garrett Cole, despite last year's you know injury and then you know fell off a little bit last year. Like I said, even if he's a mid-rotation guy for the Astros, he's making $6.75 million this year. It's a drop in the bucket salary-wise. You know you're getting, at the worst, a durable, solid starter. And if he can return to his 2015 Cy Young form, good God. Right.
0: I, again, I, I
1: see... Now, because we'll, we'll get back to
0: the Pirates. Flipping this for the Astros. Uh, the thing that just jumps out to me for the Astros here is, is this is... The, we get trade proposals sent to us all the time. And... I would generally describe trade proposals that fans send largely into a category, which is this. Hey, I propose this trade where we get a player that we really want. And in return, give up spare I'm going to give up pieces that I don't mind if we miss. That's what the Astros managed to do here. Because if you're mapping this out, Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove was going to fit into the Astros' 2018 plans in the pen. Now, is that something where you can go out and find someone else to do that? Absolutely. Do they have pieces in-house? Because at this point, Francis Martez, barring injury, is in no way in consideration for the rotation. You know, David Paulino, who has had his issues but has really good stuff, was in no way figuring into the rotation. So these are guys, Rogelio Armenteros, who is a pretty good pitching prospect, who's Got plenty of time in the minors, is basically knocking on the door. In no way is fitting into the starting rotation plans.
1: So they have
0: arms that they can say, okay, we're not going to plug that guy in exactly what Musgrove's role was on day but we one. We can mix and match and find ways but to We make can, up can for probably the find a guy to fill that role. And let's be honest again, Joe Musgrove in the playoffs, not they didn't pitch, but they, even as their bullpen
1: kind of fell apart with Giles and all. The reality of it is, is that Musgrove was only a piece of their bullpen. He was the guy they put in the extra innings. Right. He was not the guy they're going to in the seventh inning with leads. Right. So, again... Although he did pitch fairly frequently, made appearance in four of the seven World Series games. Right. So he was used... Oh, I'm saying he was he was absolutely part of their pen. But what my
0: point being is, is that that... And that's the most... As far as the 2018 Astros, that's the most costly piece that they gave up. Colin Moran does not fit into the Astros short-term or probably long-term plans and to be honest they have J.D. Davis who has some of the same strengths a little bit different strengths and weaknesses but is a third baseman with a big arm who could play a couple other positions who has some power they have him as another guy in that same they have a lot of these
1: AAA guys who don't fit for them but could fit for someone else. And by the way, Michael Feliz, who was a part of their bullpen for most of the season, was left off the postseason roster entirely. So these are guys who, as you mentioned, the Astros, like, they've given up spare parts to get, at worst, a really good, solid, durable mid-rotation starter. Who could end up being being better than that. And that's where... And
0: Jason Martin, who... Again, Jason Martin has things to like. I'm not in any way denigrating Jason Martin as a prospect, but... At the same time, what he does and what Miles Straw does, who's still in the Astros system, they do things a little differently, but both of them fit that kind of fourth outfielder down the road profile. And Jason Martin was Rule 5 eligible and went unpicked, having spent last year in double A. So the point being is that he is, again, the Astros are giving up a spare part. This is a trade where it's hard to see how this trade could come back and bite the Astros, would be the way I would explain it.
1: The only way you could theoretically say it bites him is if Garrett Gould comes over and falls back into his injury-plagued issues. And Joe Musgrove clicks, and all of a sudden Musgrove is killing it in the Pirates but rotation. And even I think if that, that happens, I would I would still look at it and say
0: again, sometimes these things don't work out, and you but go. But even still, yep, say it. the process the was, was right, right. the process was pro- perfect,
1: everything was fine. There's there's no there's trades where you are making mistakes from the outset. And there's trades where sometimes things just don't work out. Right. This is the right move for them. I mean, to he make. Could, yeah, and no he's a question. pitcher. He could blow his shoulder out in
0: the first day of spring training and never pitch for them. And you go, <laughs> if that happened. The crazy part about that is, is and you still say it's like,
1: yeah. Well, they made
0: the right call. Just it happens. Right, it happens. Right. But the other part with that, that I do kind of, um, I, I kind of wonder uh, about is, with the pirates, they, as you said, they clearly went here.
1: They were valuing big league ready, or. If not big league ready, very, very close. Three of the four guys they acquired have appeared in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Two are not prospect eligible. Two are big mm-hmm. leaguers. One is, again, Colin Moran has made appearances each last two seasons. Right, would have been
0: up for a good bit longer last year if not for the fact that he fouled a ball off his face.
1: Right, two two full years at AAA, he's ready. Jason Martin finished last year at AA. These are all upper-level guys. And there is some value to that. Having guys you know will help your major league And club. all of
0: these also do fit as guys who have many years before arbitration, many years before free agency.
1: And I, I do understand not wanting to go get three. You know, we talk about like the Freudus Novas of the world. As much as there's upside... He's in rookie ball. You know, mm-hmm. the odds of those guys ever seeing a day in the major leagues is, you know, less than 10% a lot of the time. Even the of course, no, odds he's are higher than, higher, than But, than, but yes. still, so I understand, but it would have been interesting to see them mix and match it a little bit. A close guy, a high upside guy, as opposed to going for straight, three, you know, three guys who have been in the majors, one who's and, close, even if the upside isn't great.
0: And because, again, that also fits very – the same theme runs through – the trade they did with McCutcheon as well. It on all on both these trades, every guy that they acquired is a guy who an ETA, a realistic ETA could be placed of 2019. 2018, 2019. And really 2020 is the absolute like Brian Reynolds, if you said that he needed a full year in double A followed by a full year in triple A, I could see it but that would be kind of actually, be,
1: to be honest, him moving kind of slowly. And I wonder how much of it is, again, we talk about the Pirates talking about we want to retool, not rebuild. You know, 94 wins, 88 wins, 98 wins in 2015. The last two years, it's been 78 wins, 75 wins. I think you can still look at this Major League team, and you do see enough quality pieces to say, you know, this team isn't going to be terrible, but it's also hard for me to see them getting out of that Seventy-eight to eighty-three win range as currently constructed. Right now, we talked about the lack of power. Now you've taken away again their best frontline starter, Andrew McCutcheon, For all the you know, all about oh, his age, he had a fantastic year last year. That is a loss he's, in he's your center lineup. Center
0: fielder at this point, no, you don't really want him in center. But as a hitter, you know he's really he is still a, the middle of the lineup guy for them, and he so, will be a
1: middle of the lineup guy for the Giants. So I'm going to be interested to see. How realistic it is, this pirates' desire to we want to retool rather than rebuild. I don't know if you look at their rosters currently constructed and say, Oh yeah, I can see them beating the Cubs. I can see them beating the you know, the Brewers have come on hot and heavy. The Cardinals. The Cardinals are still a threat, always will be. Is it possible? Sure. Especially as we've talked about the second wild card now really only takes 85 wins. You don't have to win 91 games to get that second wild card. Not always. I was going to say the Central no, no. The central's really good. The, you know, <laughs> it's like, hey, 97, here you need what it. What we saw last year was right. like 85 and 87. So I, I think it's possible, but I, I do question a little bit. I, I just they, they need a lot of things. What they're going to have to have happen for
0: that to work is they need a lot of things to go well. Gregory Polanco has to turn into the guy that we've been waiting for for multiple years, and so far, he's
1: failed to live up to. Um Has he, to stay healthy. Only played 108 games. Has last Has to stay sport. healthy and has to hit for more power. You know, Starling Marte needs to not get popped for PEDs, right? And he needs to pro-
0: produce again in the center field. You know, he need they need Austin Meadows or someone else, Jordan Luplo, someone to legitimately fill that third outfield spot. You
1: know, Marte, the other thing too, talk about the power. So he got popped for performance mm-hmm. enhancers when he came back. He slugged 379 last year. That is a red flag. Anytime you have someone who has power, gets popped for something, they come back and their slug drops like that. That is a red flag.
0: But so you've got those questions. And then really what it comes down to is, is they have the pieces for to have, again, like you pointed out, if you're talking about they do have to view it as we're not looking to replace Garrett Cole-Ace. We're looking to replace Garrett Cole, the guy who posted essentially a league-average ERA last year. That's easier to replace. They have the components to potentially do that, and they have some depth there in the starting rotation still. Because again, if Joe Musgrove, which I assume that they're going to try to start again, but you're adding Musgrove to as you you know listed out Tyone, Tyone Trevor Williams, Williams, you know Glassno, you probably need to give another shot Stephen Brawl. Steven Braun, Mitch Keller will, I mean, it, it would not be crazy in any way to think that Mitch Keller will be ready at some point in 2018. They
1: also have Ivan Nova for the mm-hmm. next two years. So there, there so are pitchers they there. They have
0: plenty, plenty of options. And this is a way to segue to the Giants trade. They also should have Felipe Rivero, back of the pen, who they've signed to extension, is a stud. They have a number of very interesting arms in front of him, that's where, but now again, they are interesting arms, and some of these guys that we're talking about will end up being in front of him in the bullpen. Right, because Joe Musgrove, if you say we're going to try to start Joe Musgrove, but depending on what we need, we feel pretty comfortable about Joe Musgrove being a very useful reliever. A little bit more work to do to be a starter, but very useful reliever. Kyle Crick, last year, hey, if you're the Giants, you are thrilled. A year before this, you could if have you said Kyle Crick. couldn't have gotten anything for him. No, because Kyle Crick in 2015, you can look at the ERA in A and say, oh, I wasn't that bad. And then you look at it and it's like, he walked more in a battered inning. Then you go to 2016, and he had a five ERA returning to AA. Pitching at, in one of the most pitcher friendly parks in the minors. In the minors. And there was just nothing positive to say about that season. The wildness was still a very significant issue. The second try at moving to the pen worked. He did make it to the majors. Again, there he is a risky he's still a risky prospect from the standpoint of he his improvement got him to having below average control. And below average control, Cal Crick's stuff is good enough to survive in a bullpen with below average control. But the difference between like for any percentage chance you have that you hope that it gets better from below average to fringe average or average, he also has the possibility that last year was him really locked in, and below average goes back to unpitchable, right. which, so there's some risk there, but stuff really good. And then Brian Reynolds now fits in as, again, a, I would say a lower upside, but very useful going to play in the big league's outfield prospect.
1: He's solid. I, I do think the Giants' perspective, I like this trade a lot for them. Love. Because, again, we've talked about what they needed. They were the team not really in a position to blow it all up and start over in a lot of ways because the salaries involved, how fallow their farm system was. I do feel like now you can say, hey, they just acquired, as much as Evan Longor and Andrew McCutcheon are all-stars of years past, they're now in their older years – these are still two very, very impactful bats. We've seen that the last two years. And now you're going to add them to a the lineup. You've done that without giving up any of your really premium prospects. You've kept Elliot, Elliot Ramos. You've crept, kept Chris Shaw, who's the one that's closest to the majors mm-hmm. to helping you. You've kept Tyler Beattie, who, forever, whatever his warts, is still your top pitching mm-hmm. prospect. That's impressive to me. And to me, it almost speaks to right now. I think we've seen through the years, there's times where prospects are undervalued times they're overvalued. To me, right now, this is a case where, at least for the Giants, I still I think there's an argument here that prospects right now are being overvalued with these trades because you've acquired two impact bats oh. with none of the guys that you had to give up really ever projecting to be impact players of that nature. I think what it comes down to more than anything is, is if you're
0: willing to take on salary these days, that's where it really comes down to is, is that, and we've seen this now, it, this is the argument for the Mariners, which is, is that... If you're willing to take on salary, it does not matter how bad your farm system is. You can
1: find ways to make trades. The Mariners now they even got that with a Raider, Ascanio, Mike Leak. Even they pulled but, one off like that.
0: But it really comes down to... Now, was that a limiting factor in what the Giants could do this offseason? Absolutely. They couldn't fish in the deep end of the pond as far as... Like, for them to have pulled off... Like, they didn't need Garrett Cole, but for them to have pulled off a Garrett, even a Garrett Cole trade would have involved... Having to probably give up someone like Ramos because they just simply do not have the numbers of close to the big league ready prospects that kind of thing. But if you're willing to take on the rest of Longoria's, you know, contract, you could get them for Christian. Arroyo's a, a solid, you know, a solid prospect. He's going to be a big leaguer. He's going to be the big leaguer. He's going to be an everyday guy for the Rays going forward. He'll oh, get
1: the chance to be.
0: He'll be the chance to be. But at the same time, he's probably not an impact guy. It's going to be a, it is a hard road up to path, to lay out the path from Christian Arroyo. If you say everyday regular, yeah. You say, you know, occasional all-star, that's a tough one to get to. You know, you look at this trade. They trade away Brian Reynolds, who I – the thing I love about this beyond everything for the Giants is is that the Giants were terrible last year. And what were the reasons they were terrible? Well, their lineup
1: was awful. They had awful. automatic holes at or automatic outs in center field, slash left field, for the most part. Third base, especially after they traded Eduardo Nunez, and they filled those two holes. They filled those two holes with guys who also they also lack power,
0: absolutely lack power. Now, if this is where it's going to be tough for the Giants is, is that realistically you still feel like that they are a move away. And I don't know how they're going to make that next move and make it fit because they're trying to stay under the luxury tax threshold and all that. But ideally, if Andrew McCutcheon is their left fielder in 2018... And Lorenzo
1: Cain is their center which fielder. They, I don't they, think they but can they do probably that. probably can't do it with but, like, but if
0: they can find a way to get... And again, in this in this day and age right now with free agency... I'm saying even a lower cost. But right now, okay, they went from an outfield of Hunter Pence, Denard's fan, and take your pick of... Jarrett Parker, Jarrett Parker, Parker Mack, Mack Williamson, Austin Slater. Gorky's Hernandez. Gorky's Hernandez. The and all yeah. in left field to now saying, okay, that, that outfield's still pretty poor right now. That outfield still needs help. And maybe they do say, okay, we're going to live with... Eventually, we're going to live with Chris Shaw's defense in left. But... A, a, an outfield of Chris Shaw, Andrew McCutcheon, and Hunter Pence is frightening because I think In the AT&T, other it doesn't the other problem that they had because again we talked about this on the podcast before because it's not just
1: AT it's going it's to Petco. it's going to Petco and of course by, by Dodger Dodger Stadium has some deep gaps That's right not, so yeah. I the problems
0: they had were a completely punchless lineup and terrible outfield defense as well. They fixed the punchless lineup, and also Longoria should be better than what they've had at third base defensively. Yes. McCutcheon in left field is fine. McCutcheon in center is going to be really stretched. And again, you have a spacious outfield. They still probably need to make one, figure out a way to make one more move. And if that means, you know, again, I'll, but I do agree with you, they are a team that even as horrible as they were last year, they're not in a position to say we're rebuilding they need to because their core is aging and they've got a lot of them under contract so they still got to make another push but the difference also with this is is they've done these trades and this isn't keeping their farm system which is better right now than it was a year ago largely thanks to ramos Uh, and then when we get to we get to july we're talking about them and they have the number two overall pick with also the money that's not as much financial advantage, but still a financial advantage as far as what you can spend elsewhere in the draft. They're going to have that. They'll You throw that in there. This is a team whose farm system, they're making a point, adamant point seems like, of saying, we're not going to sign a free agent that gives up our second round pick. So they're making a point of trying to figure out a way to, to rebuild the farm system while still trying to win at the big league level. And... I think they got a chance to, you know, again, the worst case scenario that's going to happen here is, is okay, they're not any better. Well, then they lose, you know, they if look if, at midseason if McCutcheon's having a good year but they're still terrible, I think they could try turn around and trade McCutcheon. They won't get every bit of value as much back as what they just traded away, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, a quarter on the dollar there. It's something where can you see them getting a prospect? Somewhere in between Brian Reynolds and Kyle Crickback back, if they
1: needed to trade McCutcheon at the deadline, yeah. You know, McCutcheon and Hunter Pence right now both are have one year. This is it, this is it. They're signed through 2018, they're off the books in 2019. Uh, Pence is making 18 and a half million, McCutcheon's making 14 and a half. So theoretically, you have 33 million dollars coming off the books this year if 2018. You know, I do see this. I hesitate to say last push because, look, Buster Posey signed through 2021. Evan Longoria, 2023. Johnny Cueto, 2022. Crawford, 2021. (laughs) Belt, 2021. So they have these guys signed for four or five years more. It's Mm -hmm. not like they have to all get it in 2018 or they're all leaving. But at the same time, there is a sense of of urgency. All those guys I mentioned are also now going into their age 30 seasons or above. And we are in a (laughs) –
0: we talked about Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon, when he hits the market at the end of this season... He thirty, Moving into his age 32 season. And we have seen nowadays, that's not when you get really paid. Right. I mean, that is the thing we're seeing. We are seeing right now, we have seen this massive shift where teams are much, much, much less willing to spend on guys on the other side of 30. Well, that's the thing that also is going to be the difficult part of this for the Giants is... is They've got to win because a lot of these guys are not going to be tradable at, at anything other than we'll take this guy off of your hands, but we're not going to give you. Again, another team willing to take on a veteran and take on salary is going to get these guys, if they needed to
1: rebuild, for pennies on the dollar. No question about it. All right, real quick, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. just a quick hit. The three teams involved in the moves this week, Pirates, Giants, Astros, who do you, you know, did the best?
0: Astros, because, again, to me— The Astros took a World Series team. They've improved the rotation, and they did it in a way I, yes, could Garrett Cole get hurt? Absolutely. Other than that, I see no way that this trade doesn't end up being a win for them.
1: I love love what the Astros did. I also, I really like what the Giants have done. When you take into account both Longoria and McCutcheon, doing it without giving up their prospects, I think they very quietly are having a very successful offseason. Well, I think that'll about do it for this edition of our Baseball America prospect at... Baseball America podcast, excuse me. It is the
0: prospect podcast. We talk prospects.
1: For J.J. Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.